Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer, one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and I'd like to begin this episode by picking up our Bibles and turning to Matthew chapter 18, where we will be reading verses 1 through 6. There we find at that time the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. I want to start by considering the question the disciples asked Jesus. Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now we know that there is a standard by which the world judges greatness, a standard that is determined by human judgment. Some are judged as great because they have displayed an enormous intellectual capacity. We've all heard of Socrates, Plato, great philosophers, Einstein, a great mathematician, Albert Sabin, who developed the polio vaccine, and many other great men and women. Some are judged to be great because of their extraordinary athletic ability. People like Jim Thorpe, Jesse Owens, Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers. Others are considered great because of unusual unusual artistic ability in fields such as music. You think of Beethoven or Bach and so many others, maybe even Lennon and McCartney. In the theater, there were the Barrymores and Laurence Olivier. In painting, it could be Michelangelo or Picasso or any one of a hundred great artists. Some are even considered great because of the tremendous wealth they have accumulated, people like Bill Gates, and Warren Buffett. However, the question, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven and greatness of the kingdom of heaven is based upon entirely different standards. The Lord demonstrated one measure of true greatness by using a little child as a model for his disciples. And frankly, my friends, if you are a Christian, that would include you and me. Jesus said, whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What an interesting and entirely different way that was to approach the subject of greatness, to be as a little child. Let's spend our time in this episode talking about some of the things that that would involve. If those who are great in the kingdom of heaven are there at least partly because they resemble a little child, then there are certain things we can know about characteristics needed to go home to heaven when the time comes. First, there is the idea of being humble humble as a little child. I'm reminded of Solomon as a young man when he first became king. Humility was a characteristic that he did possess, 
Perhaps you remember 1 Kings chapter 3 and the request that Solomon made of God. In verses 5 through 9 we find, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night and said, Ask what you will give, wish me to give you. Then Solomon said, You have shown great loving kindness to your servant David my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? God was pleased with this request and gave to Solomon not only an understanding heart such as no one before him or after him had possessed. He gave him riches and honor. But if one would be great in the kingdom of heaven, he or she must humble themselves. I remember David writing in Psalm 8 verses 3 through 4, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him? and the Son of Man that you care for him. When we consider who God is and who we are, how can we ever be lifted up with pride? When we consider what God did for us in sending his Son to die, how can we ever look down upon anyone, whoever they might be? James pretty well summarized his whole point in James chapter 4 and verse 10 when he wrote, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Another characteristic needed to go home to heaven is to be trustful. Trustful as a little child. Please understand that this does not mean naive or silly. I read a little story a while back that illustrates this needed attitude of heart quite well. A little girl was walking down a very dark street with her father and she asked him, Daddy, are you afraid? When her father responded by saying no, she put her hand in his and said, I'm not either. That's the kind of trust that I'm talking about. It is absolute confidence, absolute trust in our Father. One of the things that I find real interesting and helpful is to consider the word translated as trust in the Old Testament. Apparently the word originally meant to flee, to flee to a place, to take shelter, and it is applied to taking shelter under the shadow or the protection of one. That one for the individual who wants to go home to heaven is God. We were talking about Solomon just a minute ago. What about his father, David? David, a great warrior and a mighty king, was like a little child in the trust that he had in God. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1-3. through 3. The passage tells us, And David spoke the words of this song to the Lord in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you saved me from violence. How many of the Psalms express the exact same attitude? Psalm 7 and verse 1 says, O Lord, my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me. 
In Psalm 11 and verse 1 we find, In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, Flee as a bird to your mountain? In Psalm 16 and verse 1 we read, Preserve me, O God, that I may take refuge in you. Yet another characteristic needed for those who would go to heaven when this life is over is to be free from anxiety. Free from anxiety as a little child. When I was a little child, I didn't worry about anything. I had mom and dad, and what did I need to be anxious about? To the degree that a child trusts in his father and mother, the child is free from anxiety. I love the way David put it in Psalm 56 and verse 11. He wrote, In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I look at the faces of the little children in the congregation, and they're not lined with worry or anxiety because, even though they could not express it, they understand that they are wrapped in the care, concern, love, and provision of their families, their parents especially. But what does Jesus tell us? In Matthew 6, 31-33, we find, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. For the child of God, the Lord has made provision for an inward peace that really leaves no place for apprehension. It isn't easy to do, but it is possible. Paul told us about it in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. He said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is the kind of peace that enabled Paul and Silas to sing while they were in the deepest part of prison, their feet made fast in the stocks and their bodies aching from a beating. Also there are those who are great in the kingdom of heaven and understand that that truly will be everyone there. They will be free from prejudice, free from prejudice like a little child. Prejudice as I'm referring to it in this episode and as the Bible speaks of it in an unfavorable way is an unfavorable opinion or feeling formed beforehand or without knowledge, thought, or reason. This is learned behavior, and woe be to the adult who teaches a child to manifest his characteristics. Adults may sometimes have the attitude, I have made up my mind, don't bother me with the facts. But a little child does not think that way. When the Lord began to do his mighty miracles in his hometown, the town of Nazareth, the people saw him there as someone who had grown up among them, someone who could not be what he claimed to be. Look at Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, where the Bible tells us Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and the many listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom given to him? and such miracles as these performed by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joses and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Do you remember the prejudice exhibited by the chief priests and the Pharisees in their exchange with the temple officers that they had sent to arrest Jesus? Looking at John chapter 7, verses 45 through 49, we find... 
The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd which does not know the law is accursed. Prejudice of any kind is an ugly sin, and it will not be encountered in heaven, because those who exhibit it here on earth and do not repent will not be in heaven. Those who would be great in the kingdom of heaven must be teachable, teachable like a little child. A little child is eager to learn. They ask question after question, and that is a good thing because that is one way they learn. We have spent considerable time in the Psalms in this episode, but David expresses it so well so many times of the attributes that must characterize us if we want to go to heaven when the time comes. The willingness to learn, the desire to be taught the truth, is one of those attributes that he expresses so well. Looking at Psalm 119, actually the whole psalm, but we'll look specifically at verses 33 through 40, it says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the paths of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. Establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. Turn away my reproach which I dread, for your ordinances are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. I am reminded of what young Samuel said when the Lord called him, Speak, for your servant is listening. There is the attitude that must be nurtured and continually developed. Little kids show their enthusiasm for learning even by their excitement concerning Bible class. Do we continue to do the same? One who will be great in heaven must, like a little child, have an insatiable appetite for Bible truth. Also, one who would be great in heaven must be growing, growing as a little child. Peter was one writer of the New Testament who addressed the subject of growth often, recognizing the necessity of it and what it is that contributes to it. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he said, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Do you know that Peter's last recorded admonition, found in 2 Peter 3.18, had to do with growth? He concluded his second letter by saying, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. The truth is, when growth stops, so does progress. No one stands still in development and progress. One either continues to grow and we're not talking physically here, but mentally and spiritually, or they go backwards. I have seen what happens when a Christian stops studying, and so have you. One who wants to go to heaven will have to be an example of Peter's admonition. There's a lot more that we could say, many more characteristics that we could mention, but one I want to bring up in closing is one that would be great in heaven, must be forgiving, as a little child is forgiving. 
children will have their differences. They might even push and shove a little bit, but before you know it, they'll be right back out there having a good time playing together. It is because they want to forgive and forget. No matter what someone might have done to us, when they repent and ask for forgiveness, it is for us to be forgiving. Looking at Matthew chapter 18 once again, this time reading verses 21 and 22. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Remember, brethren and my friends, unless we are converted and become like children, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Hope these words proved helpful for you today.